0: And now, tonight's Exposure.
1: Good evening. Welcome to another wonderful edition of the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, the Impact East Lansing movie alternative. It's Exposure time, time for the Impact Movie Chat. For the next hour, it's all live. It's all talk radio. We're talking about movies. Hello, my name is Brad Brooks. Thank you for joining us here on the Impact. Phone lines are always open, as usual. Area code 517 432 Eighty nine three. Once again, four three two three eight nine three. It's your show. Give us a call if there's anything you want to talk about, questions, concerns, comments. You want to steer the topic of discussion in a certain direction. Give us a call. Let your voice be heard. Phone number is always four three two three eight nine three. Let me introduce my ever present and wonderful panel. I have uh, Alex Dowd, the doubter,
2: on the show. Thank you, Brad. It's your new nickname. You gave it to you a
1: couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm i'm very happy doubter <laughs> how do you like it so far the nickname yeah oh, it's working for
1: me good good use that around town all right my right hand man the reverend reverend yes. how you doing i'm doing fantastic always great to have the reverend on and the good thing is you're always on yeah you're the man exactly and rounding out these three amigos three musketeers They we there? really are three amigos. other other groups of three we we broke that down one night <laughs> andy keese the keister Keister, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Brad.
1: All right, Thank you. everyone's doing great. You have a wonderful show ahead of you. As I said, this is the Impact Movie Chat. We're all about movies, so give us a call four three two three eighty nine three. If there's anything you want to talk about and pertains to movies, give us a call four three two three eighty nine three. We're going to be uh, breaking down what's new in the theaters and video stores. A little bit of uh, rumors, news, and gossip. In just a little bit, let's start off with that. Reverend's news. Yes, let's turn to the Reverend. He's got the news
3: some he's like you're like a movie journalist some awesome some bad some just (gasps) slightly interesting all right i just randomly pick some uh okay yeah i'll give you a few little bits here um first off there's a book called the talisman which uh was written by stephen king and peter straub i don't know how to pronounce his name but it looks like that anyway uh which is a popular book from early 80s sometime around then and uh Steven Spielberg bought their rights to it a long time ago and recently they've been trying to turn it into a movie. Um but that is is going through a lot of problems lately. They just started into that uh the House of Sand and Fog director, uh Vadim Perlman or Perlman yeah. uh was going to do it because but then the the start date for the project shifted, so he dropped out. And then he was replaced by Ed Zwick who did uh, Last Samurai and Glory, and then just this week he dropped out. So who knows if this thing is ever going to get made. But
1: you know, That sounds like a really interesting idea, the idea of, a, of taking one of Stephen King's novels and making a movie out of it. That's a great original idea. <laughs> a, I would have never concept. thought. I mean, he's a, he's a master craftsman, that Stephen King. His books only come out in a, a, once every so many years. It's, you know, it's a rare treat when a, a Stephen King <laughs> book or you know, hits the shelves. And to think, to make one of those a movie. Right. That's an original idea. Right. So Will I this star
0: Morgan see. Freeman as well? Oh. We don't know. <laughs> well,
1: one,
3: one can only hope. I, I would say, in the, the defense of that idea, this is one of the older ones, which are <laughs> m- better. much better than the, the ones made in the last 15 years. <laughs> oh, um, well,
1: hopefully. Yeah. Just because the book is old doesn't mean the movie's going to be anywhere yeah. near. That's I remember true. a movie called Running Man. Yeah, Running Man's bad. <laughs> you have to admit that. Running Man's not good. But fun time. But it is funny. Okay. What else uh, do you have for us, Reverend?
3: Okay. Um there is uh Zack Snyder, who did the remake. Yeah, you don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. He did the remake of Dawn of the Dead. He dropped oh, okay. it. Yeah. Oh, Zach Snyder. Exactly. Now I know. We should care. Um <laughs> he uh he's got a new project. Is he gonna lined remake up. something else? No, not exactly. Okay. He's doing an adaptation of a comic book. Ooh. Uh, by Frank Miller. Ooh, called Three Hundred.
1: Excellent. Yeah, which That's, is uh, uh, you and I are both big comic book nerds. Yeah, and we wear that on, we wear that on our sleeve. Everyone knows we're comic e- book nerds. Exactly. The, the Three Hundred is a, is an awesome story. Yeah, tell us, some, tell uh, tell uh, the people about it.
3: It's about the uh, Battle of uh, Thermopylae, and uh, which would be of interest to MSU students because it's about three hundred Spartans who go up against an army of the Persian, Persian army. warriors. Yep and uh tens of thousands of yeah people. basically you could interpret it as kind of leading to like the birth of democracy to some degree and just huge battle and it's really it's an interesting story mm-hmm. so it could be cool you know That's
1: yeah, a great it's a great graphic novel by miller
3: yeah yeah so that'll be interesting i don't know if zach snyder's definitely would be my first choice i didn't really. No, I, I... I didn't love <laughs> dawn of the dead but i don't know it wasn't the worst thing ever so maybe it'll be good who knows um other little bits here uh 28 days later the uh popular horror film uh of recent times
1: directed by Danny Boyle
3: directed by Danny Boyle uh the fox 2000 uh, or fox searchlight i can't remember is greenlighting a sequel to be made called 28 weeks later mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. cute mm-hmm. and
1: uh I, I see the doubter cringe
3: yeah and I like Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, <laughs> so the doesn't even like it. That's that's why you're cringing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoy like the movie. movie. That
1: movie just barely missed out my top ten of the year. Right. I hate, and it's mostly because I hate scary movies. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to rewatch it recently and I could barely handle it. But it's really cool. Yeah. And, and the film
3: t- definitely has like kind of an ending. You yeah. know, So it'd be interesting to see where they go with this. It's Danny Boyle's not returning as director. Um. He's going to be a producer and make, make fat cash off yeah. of it. Uh, the only person they have attached to it is Rowan Jaffe, who uh, is going to write it. He's a uh, he's worked on stuff for the BBC. Some news sites have confused him with Roland Joffe, who did The Killing Fields and uh, The Mission. It's not him. Okay. It's a different guy. Um, it's kind of similar to uh, whenever there's a new Paul... Uh, Thomas Anderson or Paul W S Anderson movie <laughs> release? They always confuse the two. Uh, it's pretty funny. From the
1: director of Magnolia, <laughs> Resident Evil. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> All right.
3: Um, so you got that. Uh, there's Gary Oldman. Has just love him. Ju- love yeah, Gary Oldman. I'm, I'm a huge. He's my fan. favorite
1: psychopath in yes. film. Not. In real life. Right. In he, real life, there's a different one. Okay.
3: He, uh, he's he's going to be another in the long line of actors wasted in the new Star Wars movies. Yay! Mm-hmm. He's going to be in the next one. Uh, I love Star Wars. Yeah.
1: They're, they're my childhood. I love them. But, I preface that with, I hate the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> the prequels are horrible. I happen to own them on DVD. But, anyway, <laughs> they are horrible. They're a travesty. They're a crime
3: against humanity. Yeah. And Gary Oldman's joining up. You you know a little bit about this, right, right Brad? Yes,
1: yes. Um, from what I know is he's signed on. It's, he's going to be a voice. He's, he's going to be something similar to uh, James Earl Jones for Darth Vader. But he's touted as, the character is, as the deadliest villain mm-hmm. ever in Star Wars. Which is pretty uh pretty high remarks, you know, since they do have one of the greatest villains of all time, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's playing a character named General Grievous. Mm-hmm. Who I believe, if if my insatiable desire for Star Wars lore is, I think he's one of the, like, he's like a lieutenant under uh, Dooku. And I think he spends the entire movie probably searching for uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. He's going to be another one of the Jedi killer characters that they'll have. Um, should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of Jedi to kill and uh, they need to be killed.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um... So it should be interesting. I love Gary Oldman. Yes, as as do I. I'm definitely a huge fan. So, but then
1: again, and this it, is a, a series of films which takes you know great actors and then just right.
2: So it
3: will hurt both of you. Yeah,
1: yeah. in the way you see her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I really like Liam Neeson. I really like Ewan McGregor. Christopher Lee's great. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson, he's the bomb. And then I got to watch him like have to be stiff because one, they're up against blue screen, so nothing. They're like just miming to a tennis ball. And then the other thing is George Lucas cannot direct.
2: Right or write dialogue.
1: Oh no, his, his 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 scripts are horrible. He can't he's turning to Kevin Smith somehow with his with his poor direction. He relies way too much on you know, visual effects and he doesn't know how to actually have an actor, you know, emote something yeah. you know, in particular. So yeah. a bad director. Yes. And he's ruining my childhood one step <laughs> at a time.
3: Um my uh my news bits I always try to save the more interesting stuff for me till last. So I got two <laughs> little things here. These are twice the Reverends News. Exactly. Stuff for you. This isn't uh this next thing isn't actually about theatrical films, but you may have you may you may have heard my report on uh when Van Helsing was coming out, they were releasing those box sets of uh, Dracula, Wolfman and uh Frankenstein movies in uh, these collections, like Universal Monster collections, they're doing three more of those. Cool, which I'm really excited about. Mm, yes, Alex. Nice. <laughs> and for the Invisible Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Excellent. and the Mummy. So good. And Tight. and those those past three sets were really cool. What I saw of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, those were
1: those were that was an awesome set what they put out. And that's I'm, I'm interested in the Invisible Man and yeah. definitely Creature from the Black Lagoon. Cool. That's they've been that was. A big property that they've talked about remaking Yeah. for a while. I know even Peter Jackson was attached to it at one point.
3: Yes, and uh, I think Guillermo del Toro was interested in yeah. it. John Carpenter was interested Everyone. in it. Yeah. And
1: any of those directors would be great. So yeah. that's awesome. That's great. Uh, yeah. For and the collector out there.
3: Those those by far the best thing that came out of Van Helsing was those, the tie-in box sets. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> uh,
1: you mean, we don't say the best. The only good right, thing. Right, exactly. The only good thing.
3: Uh, and the last little bit, this is also for me and Brad because it's comics related. Nerds. Exactly. Dark Horse Comics, which uh, has had a few movies based on their properties, some good, some bad. Uh, uh, Hellboy is one of Hellboy's them. the big one. The Mask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they they
1: do uh they're like a, a smaller company they're not Marvel or DC right they they do a lot of licensed projects so like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer the Star Wars comics are both right done by Dark Horse
3: well they also have like original stuff yeah. too stuff that's and cool their stuff their stuff is being not as popular is a little darker or tends to be um they are combining with some small production company to make like Dark Horse films interesting both feature mm-hmm. and direct to video. Then two two directors they have lined up are Neil Gaiman, excellent, who's a, a comics a, a brilliant comics writer, one of the best ever. He's never directed anything, but he has written he has uh, written some you know TV and feature stuff. Uh, Bruce Campbell is also directing Very something, cool. but by far the thing that's making me freak out with coolness is the first movie they're doing is a horror movie written and directed by John Landis. <laughs> which I love. And, like, he's only done two horror movies. Well, you could say two horror movies before. American Werewolf in London, which is a classic. One of
1: your favorite movies of all time.
3: It's awesome. And uh, a vampire movie called Innocent Blood, which I think is really cool, too. Um, So I'm really excited about that. John Landis hasn't done anything good in, like, the last ten years. So (laughs) hopefully this will get him back on track. Excellent, Yeah,
1: that's awesome, and I I'm definitely comic book properties yeah. are huge in Hollywood right now, so anything, Hellboy did fairly well, but I mean, next Wednesday, Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. one of the biggest movies of all time, Spider-Man, you know, basically set the benchmark for what you can do in a summer, you know, money-wise, the sequel's coming out, and it's probably the most, for me, other than the Harry Potter movie, the most anticipated film for myself of the year, so, Yeah. Excellent job, Reverend.
3: Yeah. Cool news. That's what I'm here for.
1: Uh yeah, that sounds good. All right. You'll listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89 FM The Impact. Phone lines are always open at 432-3893. Once again, 432-3893. If you have any comments or questions about the stuff we just were talking about, at Reverend's News, let us know. If you've got a little bit of news from yourself that you know about that we didn't mention, you think is pretty cool, let us know about it. Give us a call. 432-3893. 432 Nine three, Give us a call. You're listening to the Impact Movie chant. Let's uh, move right into reviews. Um, every week on the show, we like to review a couple of things that we've been able to check out over the last week. A couple of things that you know, we may have thought were good or bad. Over the uh, last week, uh, Alex and Andy, who uh, took the bullet for the team last week, <laughs> we'll check out Super Size Me, The Terminal, and Dodgeball. All right. Alex. Yes. Dodgeball was the number one movie of the year. Of the week, not the week. year. Uh, that's that's year, my year. week. I have a horrible memory. Uh, <laughs> dodgeball was the number one movie of the week, took a little over thirty million dollars. How was it? <laughs> that hurts me, Brad, <laughs> because
2: <laughs> I hated Dodgeball. You hated um, Dodgeball. Yeah, Dodgeball was just a mess of a film. Um, it was like studio execs just said, "Hey, they haven't made a movie about dodgeball yet," and then got Ben Stiller attached, got Vince Vaughn attached and then decide the script would just write itself. Uh, there, are, There's there's stuff in this movie that's just bafflingly bad. Um, jokes that just go on forever that just are shockingly bad. Um, ben Stiller is... It, it's like they just let him loose and said, do your thing, do whatever you want. They they they, they and, give him the free reigns that he can exactly. get to
1: Owen Wilson, but Ben Stiller's no Owen Wilson. No. <laughs> no. And...
2: You know Ben Stiller has two modes. He has this sort of uncomfortable, like uh nervous, vulnerable guy mode, and then he has obnoxious jerk with a weird voice, and yeah. he's in that mode with this movie okay
1: um with, with funny hair and a mustache. don't with forget funny the hair mustache. and a mustache
2: yeah uh, and Vince Vaughn is just walking through this movie. Um, okay. it's like he phoned in his performance. Basically, um, I, I have a problem with any movie that casts Vince Vaughn as a nice guy in the first place. Um, he that's, was born to to play creeps, and he's
1: he's a smarmy fellow, and that's yeah. why he should be. That's yeah. that's his cast, and he's I perfect. think he
2: can be very funny. But he was not meant to. This is a role meant for like Ben Affleck or something, you know? Um, no, and none of the supporting characters are are funny or interesting. I mean, you have a guy who thinks he's a pirate. Yeah, the crotchety what's with, old...
1: Wait, what's wrong with pirates? You have a problem with
2: pirates? <laughs> it's, it's funny for about, <laughs> about a, minute, a minute, and then he's still acting like a pirate, <laughs> which consists of him saying, "ah" a lot, basically. That's what pirates do. That's the joke. Um, oh <laughs> I don't know where to even go from here. Uh, there, there's a crotchety old man who... Uh, <laughs> the old trainer who shouts baffling obscenities. I mean... Rip,
1: if it's ripped torn, how can that not be good?
2: No. It's it's not good. Um, well,
1: I'm, I'm glad to hear that you didn't like it. Yeah, because I didn't. I stayed away from this one because it looks bad to me.
2: Comedy is a subjective thing, yes. you know. I mean, if there there, I mean, everyone in the theater basically loved this, I and mean, people are just laughing their heads off in the theater. I was like, <laughs> I felt like the lone dissenter among them. But uh, Did at least get a chuckle out of you once or twice. A couple, I mean, but. I would hope so. It is a comedy. You know, I hope I get a few laughs, but that's not enough to make this even worth seeing, in my opinion.
1: So Dodgeball.
2: They made a movie about Dodgeball.
1: You know what's next? Horseshoes. They're making a movie about horseshoes. You never know. All right, you listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on eighty nine FM The Impact. Phone lines are open. Four three two three eighty nine three. Give us a call. We have a caller on the line. Caller, you're on the Impact Movie Chat, how you doing?
4: Hey, right, good, thanks. Um, I really enjoy you guys' reviews every week. And that's interesting what you had to say about dodgeball. I sort I haven't seen it but it just looks like a, a bomb watching <laughs> it on and uh on it the commercial- commercials and stuff. It looks terrible. And I was surprised to see that it had done fairly decent at the box office. Maybe even number one last week. It was I'm
1: it was sure. number one over the weekend. Yeah,
4: yeah. It's unbelievable. I I just have an obscure question to ask and that is I, I, I took um my son to see Harry Potter, which I, I I really enjoyed the movie, but I saw it in the IMAX format, and I and I and I wanted to call and ask you last week, and and uh, I got in too late. Um, if you folks have see, watched movies in the IMAX format, and what do you think of think of that? I mean, it's so huge. I, I wondered if I couldn't have enjoyed the movie more if I would have saw it on a slightly smaller screen or or. Do you think IMAX is just the greatest thing for movies, or is it too much? Or that's that's my question.
1: Excellent question. Yeah. And and I'll start off with I think it's too much, and I think <laughs> it's indicative of what's the problem with America. Everything's gonna be bigger, bigger, you know, bigger, louder, better, more the merrier. I it's just it's it's gross and it's horrible. Andy,
0: I was actually able to see uh, Prisoner of Azkaban in in a regular theater, so to speak, before seeing it projected in IMAX, and I. Uh, Seeing it for the second time and knowing everything that would happen, it was almost like seeing it for the first time. Really, it's just, yeah, it is a very large screen indeed, and it is it can be kind of overwhelming for some. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe not I, for the first. You, I still really enjoyed it.
3: You thought the visuals definitely were made it worthwhile, worth Absol- seeing. Yeah, it. exactly. Okay. I, I also saw uh, Harry Potter on the on the IMAX. Um, that movie in particular. I didn't really feel like a big difference, but I mean, it is like, it is kind of like seen on a huge screen, you know, that's definitely cool. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think there is kind of a difference between studio movies that are made for just normal films and then transferred to IMAX as opposed to movies that are made for IMAX. But at the same time, I think if it's like a visually spectacular movie and you're like really into like, if you're one of those people who sits like near the front of the theater, this is kind of the format to see it in. Um, I mean, if you're someone who sits back a ways, maybe not, because it might be a little too big. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I kind of dig it for the moment.
4: All right. Oh, that's cool. So, you got some people like it and some people don't. I guess it's your personal preference. Different yeah.
1: strokes for different folks. <laughs> that's yeah, true. that's our motto here on the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh,
4: keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. Hey,
1: thanks for the thanks for the props. Thanks. Take care. All right. All right. Phone lines are open. Four, three, two. 432-389-3. Once again, four three two three eight nine three. If you have a question, you know, comment anything you want to steer our conversation a certain certain way, let us know. Give us a call, 432-389-3.
0: I, I will say one discouraging word for IMAX, not for Harry Potter, but just for IMAX theaters in general. Uh, films like Harry Potter, uh, in particular, Warner Brothers films that have been that they've been showing in, uh, like The Matrix Reloaded, that they've been showing in. Uh, the IMAX theater are an exception, but usually, <laughs> uh, short answer, uh, you pay twice the admission price to see a non-narrative travelogue that's forty minutes long. Right. And <laughs> which, and with that in mind, it's kind. Of, I'm kind of surprised that IMAX has lasted this long because I don't know. It's I, a I novelty. Would, I, I, mean, I just
1: just feels to me like it's a novelty. I sit in the back of the theater. I'm that person. I want to take in. I want to take in the whole thing and not miss any of it. You know, of what's on screen. And IMAX, it envelops you. It's all around, and it's just too much for me to take in and really to enjoy. You know, when I can only look really at one part of the screen at a time, that doesn't seem like I'm taking in the film properly. But, yeah, I think you're right, Andy. It's, you know.
0: I mean, I would be all for it if studios got on the IMAX wagon and started, you know, giving you at least the choice. You can see it in a regular theater or in IMAX and –
1: for the most part, yeah. If it's maybe with the Harry Potter, have been interesting. I did not see it in the in the IMAX. It might have been interesting, but for the most part,
0: you know, to watch their movie about space or at Lewis least for Clark, it's I would say not worth at it. least for you know summer season films, stuff with a lot okay. of stunts and special effects that yeah. really lend itself to that. I suppose not, not like not, the newest Woody Allen, or not Pride and right? Prejudice, <laughs> right? You know, okay. Exactly.
1: <laughs> a small character drama. Okay, that's fine. We have another caller on the line. Caller, you're on the Impact Movie Chat. How are you doing?
4: Hey, I'm good. Just wondering, uh, have you guys seen Supersize Me?
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So let's go into that right now. Okay, Alex and Andy both saw it. Have you seen it?
4: I what I did was last weekend I was in Ann Arbor and I was debating what to do with some of my buddies and we're like, should we see it? Maybe not. Heard some things, and we just asked people like at the theaters because we got the two main theaters there, you know, and they were like, eh, it was okay. I didn't get any like really like
1: overwhelming you know, response that drove you to see it. Yeah,
4: and yeah. I, I was I'm not going to spend you know it's seven dollars down there. To see it? I could wait until it comes out in video. Right.
1: Well, it's and it's around here now, so uh you have that opportunity at least to uh, check it out. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. We'll let Andy and Alex fight it out to see mm-hmm. how they felt about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for calling. All right, guys.
2: That's actually an appropriate way to put it.
1: You it's heard me the gentleman. And Andy have been sparring
0: about this. Do for, it for we, couple of we a couple weeks now. We have a large table between us, so it'll be all right.
1: <laughs> all right. I'll mediate. Uh, who wants to go first? I'd say Andy. He's been on the show longer. Sorry, Alex. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> you get to go. Supersize Me, brand new documentary that looks at fast food.
0: Go and, for it. Well, newsflash: fast food is bad for you. Well, okay, <laughs> yeah, I saw this a couple of days ago, and I will admit, yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty cute, and I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, the way it's put together uh, was was kind of clever in parts, and I did laugh at a few things and and uh, but and though what you uh, the press surrounding the movie doesn't really give that much away. Uh, surprisingly, and there's a lot of it's a big indictment against how, uh, just, really, just public health and uh, eating habits and that kind of thing. And while I did like it, I'm gonna still stand by my guns and say that a lot of a lot of what's in this movie should be obvious to people who bother to look. I mean, it's not as if you know the phrase "fast food is bad for you" is really a newsflash. You know, stop the presses. You know, this is not it's not exactly a revelation. Okay. You know? But I mean well, I, I th- think I th- a valid point. I think I do think it's worth seeing. Okay. I mean, but it is I just they I just also at the same time I kinda think it's a shame that it takes a movie that's released uh on such a large scale to get people to take a public health problem seriously that way. And this
1: movie is yeah. doing ex- incredibly well. Right. Very low budget, independent uh documentary which is made I think upwards of almost ten million dollars. So a huge profit doing very well. And may even get that director a, a career now. Right. Here's a present for you. You can make <clears> another movie. <laughs> now, Alex, you also saw Supermite did, Size Me. And do you have – first off, do you have a conflicting opinion?
2: Then? Um. Well, no, I, I do agree – Slightly disappointed then. Okay, I was no, looking for a conflicting um,
1: opinion. Sort of.
2: Sort That's of. Right, You Go it's, into it, baby. Do it. it. It's an agree and a disagree in a way. Um, I like those. I agree that it is sad that we need a movie to tell us that – you know, fast food is bad for us. Put that down that it's gallon of milk. Extremely unhealthy. Yeah. Um but at the same time my argument is that if a movie is doing this, that's okay with me. You know, if if there's anything out there you know, documentaries I think in general are a large part of their appeal for me lies in the fact that they can help change the way people think about things about the world around them. Um without sounding too preachy um but uh, if if people are seeing this movie and and eating less fast food throwing more throwing less dollars towards mcdonald's i think that's a good thing i mean the fact that it takes a movie for that to happen yes that's troublesome but i mean i i still think that if it's doing that it's it's doing a good job um and i i do think I, i saw this a few weeks ago um and it is very much a I guess I would call it a populist documentary. This isn't, like, extremely hard-hitting, highbrow documentary filmmaking here, you know. But it is is—it um, is w- within the gimmick of the film, which is this man going from a, from one restaurant to another, just eating McDonald's for 30 days. There's a lot of real documentary work going on. There is a lot of interviews. There's a lot of um, statistics. And I did walk out learning a lot about the fast food industry, um, and I will say that as as bad as we all know fast food is for you, I think this will reveal that it's even worse than we thought it was for you. I mean, there are things that happened to this man that I did not imagine could happen to somebody just from eating fast food. I'll leave it at that. But okay. All
0: right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say uh, even though the movie has made $10 million thus far, I, s- I still think a lot of people who should see this movie w- probably won't go and see it. People who need to see the movie, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, may not, may not see it. And they, even if they would, uh, may not take it seriously. I don't know. I kind of relate it to the, the environmentalist phone survey. You know, I mean, if somebody, if a, if a, if a, if a phone surveyor calls you up and says, well, do you care about the environment? We, I work for an environmental lobby, et cetera, et cetera. Do you care about this, this, and this, you know, over the phone, of course, you're going to care about that stuff. I mean, we all, we all do. We all we want all to. Yeah. We all want to, but do you really carry that out in real life? No. Not everybody does. No, that's just that's just my feeling okay. on it. But I, I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I actually really enjoyed it. I just,
3: but kinda. it seems like th- I'll throw my I haven't seen the movie opinion <laughs> in. <laughs> and here. And I love those most it, of all. It seems like what you're both saying is more about what you feel about the f- movie being made, as opposed to what the movie actually is. You know, okay. It's like, do does this movie need to be b- made? Besides that, is it a good movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Kind of? Sort of? Sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's at least watchable. <laughs> it's at least a good time. That's the word least, for this a, year. It's, it's, it's very watchable. The, the word of the summer is watchable. Thank you, Van Helsing. Um, <laughs> but yes, it, it sounds like it's a very interesting film. And it is. Whether, whether you feel one way or another, but it's at least enjoyable. At least a fun time.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: That's a fair assessment. Yeah. Excellent. That is supersize me. That is out in theaters right now. You're listening to the Impact Movie Chat right here on 89FM, the Impact Phone lines are always open at four three two three eight nine three. Once again, four three two three eight nine three. If you have questions, concerns, comments, you want to ask a question, feel free to. We love we love fielding questions. If you saw Super Size Me or Dodgeball and you have conflicting opinions or you want your opinion heard, let us know. Four three two 893 Four three two three eight nine three. Let's move on to the last film which we're going to review tonight, and that is Steven Spielberg's The Terminal. Uh, Steven Spielberg is golden. Well, usually he's golden. (laughs) Last week he came out of the film starring Tom Hanks, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Stanley Tucci. Uh, Hanks plays an Eastern European immigrant who gets uh, stuck in the airport. It's kind of far-fetched, but it's slightly based on a real story. Um, His country is in war and the government dissolves as he's in transit to the United States. When he lands, he no longer has a valid passport because of that. So, since we're Americans, we're not going to let him out of the airport. No (laughs) way. That's not cool. No way is that foreigner getting onto our soil uh, Because we're a great country No we are a great country We just have our problems And that's cool too We'll get more <laughs> of that later in the show With Michael Moore's movie For nine one one But anyway The Terminal's out It's got Tom Hanks Looks like a cute romantic comedy I wanted to check this one out Unfortunately I wasn't able to But Andy and Alex took the bullet I'm, uh, Yeah Andy and Alex both took the bullet for us Okay i slightly <laughs> confused on that Sorry Alex I'm going to let you start off on this Okay
2: one. Well first of all I don't consider it taking a bullet Bull- <laughs> taking a bullet to me is it's seeing like Garfield story- or White okay. Chicks, you know. Um, <laughs> I-, I was, was actually pretty interested in seeing okay. this. I like Spielberg. Um, you like Spielberg. And uh, this looked interesting to me. Wow. And um, it is good, I think. You like it? Um, yeah. All right. It's, uh, it's not extraordinarily deep. Uh, it is. It's a piece. I would I would say it's comparable to Catch Me If You Can. All right. That's um, a good
1: That's the last film that Spielberg has yeah, done. I think it's, that's a great
2: so along oh, it's along the same it's lines. It's a dramedy. Um, it's funny that you mentioned it as a romantic comedy because I think the I think the romantic comedy aspect of the film is what works the least in it. Oh, um, that's what
1: they're playing up the most.
2: They are, and I don't think it works very much. Um, you know, Tom Hanks is cast against Katherine uh, Zeta-Jones. She plays a flight attendant Delicious. who's coming in and out. She doesn't know that he's. Stuck in the, you know, stuck in the airport, um, and you know, hilarity supposedly ensues and and romance. But um, I have to say, I don't think this is the type of role that Catherine Zeta-Jones is born to play. She's supposed to be playing a uh, a, sort of a vulnerable, sensitive woman, and I don't think she can do that. I think that's not her. She doesn't. Without going into a character attack, (laughs) I'll say that I think she's best at playing conniving, vicious women. You know. I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I think she was probably one of the better things about Intolerable Cruelty, a movie I didn't I didn't care for. Um, and Chicago, I thought she was well cast in that. But as the romantic lead, um, as a sensitive, vulnerable romantic lead, it, it's just not working. Um, the fact that there's any chemistry, I think, is due to Tom Hanks because, um, I think he does an amazing job in the movie. Um, I think there's also a tendency to sort of downplay Tom, Tom Hanks's skills as an actor. Um, I, I know you're looking at me like that. I mean, he, he's won two Oscars. You know, he's he, the man. America loves him. but He's in, America's sweetheart. He is. Move over, Julia Roberts. But in movie circles, you know, people, intense movie buffs, I would say. People have a tendency to say, you know, this guy's just a, uh, you know. He's kind of a schlub. He's just doing it yeah. his job. He's, you know. He's, He's just collecting paychecks for the
1: man, you know. Well, he does. He does a great job. But I, think, I think the general idea when we say movie buffs is that they mostly think he's just he's overappreciated by most of the public. Right. He's just functional and good. Right. But I think which he's a good I disagree I like with. Him. I think I agree, he's very good.
2: Too. And um, you know, when when people describe Russell Crowe, they always describe him as a chameleon. I've heard that used a lot. And actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> as we all as we all chuckle. <laughs> well the idea that he's very versatile, he can play many people, um many different characters. I think uh I think I think that's a good description for Tom Hanks. Um I, I think he can I think he has a lot of range that people don't recognize and I think he makes this character who could have been a terrible stereotype. I, I, I think he makes his his plight believable and funny and I don't know. All right.
1: And if you like ter- terrible stereotypes, stick around. We're going to talk about white chicks in just a little bit. <laughs> Andy. Yes. You also saw The Terminal. I did. And I happen to know, you're a huge Spielberg fan. Well, huge? You're, you're
0: I'm a like, big Spielberg fan. Say we'll huge. Say. Yeah, yeah. All you're right. like the biggest Spielberg fan I know. I'm so a huge enough Spielberg fan. Huge. Okay. All right. So you saw Good The deal. Terminal. I did. How and like uh, I enjoyed it very much. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> well, okay, well, now It's all right. Nothing wrong with liking Spielberg. Yes, there is nothing wrong. Except for Hook and that those movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting off topic. Okay, anyway, away. the, uh, the terminal. Uh, term so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it very much as uh, sort of a golden age, 1940s style romantic comedy. Although there's not that much romance for a romantic comedy, if you're going to call it that. Uh, you know, if this movie had been made 60 years ago, it would have been directed by Frank Capra and would have starred Jimmy Stewart. Honestly, that's really the feel of this movie and it's, I think that's what they set out to do, and they accomplished that pretty well. Uh, yeah, Hanks, I, I really liked Hanks a lot. He's doing comedy again, which is kind of nice. He reminded me of Jacques Tati, who's in uh, M. Hollis Holiday and Mon Oncle. His uh, acting style, comedic style, was kind of similar. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the dynamic, I will, I will admit, the dynamic between Catherine Zeta-Jones and Hanks isn't exactly convincing, but at the same time, the way the trailer set it up for you, it doesn't end the way you think it might. It's a little bit more realistic in this. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of doubtful that an Eastern European goofball is going to end up with the beautiful flight attendant. Not to give anything away. Uh, but Breaks yeah, <laughs> <Man>. uh, <laughs> the cardinal rule of the show. <laughs> um, another thing that kind of surprised me about it was uh, it takes place in a post-9-11 world. And uh, uh, Stanley Tucci who I really liked in this movie, is probably my favorite performance in this movie, is the head of security, the head of uh, Homeland Security. They Their offices at the at the airport. And uh, it doesn't, he, the movie doesn't make him into a conventional villain or anything. He actually has doubts and feelings of his own and things like that. So that doesn't end, that sort of leg of the story doesn't really end the way you think it might. Um, but yeah, all the way through, it's just, it's really fluffy, it's light on its feet, uh, the supporting cast is really charming and funny, and you know not very deep at all. And parts of it are kind of silly, but I yeah I enjoyed it. All right, it so Capra esque. Capra esque, and you, go. you know,
1: and definitely uh, his Capra's main man
2: was Jimmy Stewart,
1: and yes, uh, Tom Hanks is our generation's uh, Jimmy Stewart. Sounds, you can yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. good to me.
2: Um, can I ask you, Andy, if you agree with me on this that? Um, I feel like a lot of the comedic bits work extremely well in the movie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but in the second half when it, when the sort of uh I guess when the drama sets in, um it gets a little schmaltzy. Yeah,
0: parts of it. I mean, which is a given with any Spielberg movie. It I'm is. the first yeah. as as the it's huge Spielberg huge fan <laughs> that I that, that I'm referred to as, uh I will admit, yeah, there's a fair amount of schmaltz in in just about any S- Spielberg movie, but
4: I don't accept that. I above well, it. And well, I was going to
0: say, I don't mind Schmaltz as long as the movie earns it, and it's all right. It doesn't get, again, it's not too heavy on really anything. So, All right. And that's the Terminal. The latest from
1: Steven Spielberg starring Tom Hanks. That's out right now. We have a caller on the line. Caller, you're on the Impact Movie Chat. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for waiting.
4: Hey, I just want to say I love you guys' show. Um, I saw the Terminal about two days ago. I saw it with my friend Michelle, and as we're walking out of the movie, we looked at each other and we said, this is a movie that's definitely made for that, you know, lost generation whose fantasy it's always been to get stranded in the airport. Um, and I, I loved this movie. I thought it was a great movie, but it was kind of fluffy. And I thought that one of the ways that it worked best was the fact that it wasn't a romantic comedy, comedy at all, even though it was billed as such. And it kind of came up with that kooky British humor that works so well.
1: <laughs> hmm. Interesting.
4: British. Well, I definitely thought so. It, yeah. I mean... That kind of out of nowhere,
1: cookiness. And, I, and one of the things I love best about this movie was that Tom Hanks was overweight. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he's chubby. Let's face yeah. it, folks. Right. Not okay, well, thanks a lot. All right, thanks for giving us a call. No problem. See you. All right, uh, you'll see the Impact movie chat here on eighty-nine FM. The Impact phone lines are always open, as you can tell. Uh, if you got a question, concern, comment—if you've seen any of the movies we're talking about, *Terminal*, *Dodgeball*, *Super Size Me*—give us a call. Let us know how you felt about them. Let, let your voice be heard here on the impact Movie chat phone lines once again that phone number is 43238934323893 and if you don't get on tonight you can always go on our message boards right Phil yes reverend where is the message board i don't remember it's, on the, it's <laughs> somewhere it's In, on the impact 89fm.org yeah. yes and if there's that, a message board that one that's the official website of the impact <laughs> impact 89fm.org Thank you, Reverend. You're my no. right, right-hand man. <laughs> That's what I'm here you're, for. You're the lieutenant of the show. Thanks for holding up. You're my rock at Rocky Gibraltar. All right. You'll see back in the chat. Let's move into previews. Yes, we like to preview what's coming in, uh, to the theaters uh, this week. And um, it's four movies coming in. And, uh, you know, love them or leave them. Uh, I'll probably only see one of these movies, but let's get right to it. They are Fahrenheit 9-11, White Chicks, The Notebook, and Two Brothers. So let's let's talk about these movies, shall we? Uh, let's start at the bottom. Two Brothers. Um, from uh, Jean-Jacques Arnaud, Uh You may have remember, seen his French film The Bear, uh, which a lot of people are a fan of. Uh, also, maybe uh, Enemy at the Gates, um, which is one of the funniest movies about World War II I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and not in a good way. And another movie that's funny about World War II is Seven Years in Tibet. <laughs> it's movie's the funniest movie about World War II and Buddhism ever. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, he's a he's a wily Frenchman, and he's created a tale in which um, it's it's got animals in it. So I automatically have to shrug my head. But then the bear had animals in it, and the bear is good. It's about two um, brother uh, you know cubs. I guess what do they call baby tigers? Kittens. Cubs. <laughs> cubs uh, sounds good. Tiger, tiger cubs. <laughs> is what, yeah, tiger cubs. <laughs> two tiger cubs that are brothers that are separated. Uh, and eventually are reunited. Uh, G- Guy Pierce from uh, uh, the Time Machine, L.A. Confidential, Memento—he stars in it. And uh, the brothers leave as brothers, but they reunite as enemies. It's, it's it pulls the heartstrings. I'm about to cry as It's I like think.
0: The Prince of Egypt, except with more animals. With animals, yeah, <laughs> with
1: with that don't talk, non talking animals. Just <laughs> and it's it's a non talking animal. It's not Milo Notice. It's not Homeward Bound. I don't believe the Tiger Cubs talk in any way, shape, or form. And I do know that the Reverend and Andy want to see this. Reverend, <laughs> yeah. explain yourself.
3: Well, basically, you kind of explained it. This movie is like The Bear and not like Enemy of the Gates. <laughs> so, therefore, I am interested. I thought The Bear was cool. Um, I like Guy Pierce. I don't know. It seems It's different. It seems kind of interesting. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to see it in the theater, but I'd like to see it. Okay. Eventually, I might not see it in the theater. I don't okay, know. I am poor, so I, I you hear never you. know. <laughs> I, that's why I haven't seen anything either, my
1: yeah. man. Andy, you're all, you're
3: all about it.
0: Yeah, um, I actually like Enemy at the Gates.
1: <laughs> I, I will say, <laughs> I don't, I don't Enemy at the Gates says. has has two things going for it. One, and this is to get shallow, but one of the hottest sex scenes ever. Very <laughs> right. dirty Ew. war. Sex, <laughs> sex during war is always hot. Two. <laughs> It has the greatest performance of greatest story of two snipers battling out since assassins with Antonio Banderas and Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. The best story about two assassins trying to kill each other. The best part is when Ed Harris takes off his one cross mm-hmm. and puts on an even larger cross. Yep. And these are like because he's a Nazi. These are the Nazi like war crosses. It's like it's my ain't no shucking and jiving cross. Yep. I'm gonna kill you,
0: Jula. It's got blood stains and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's it, just know? it's
1: teeth. The movie is so over the top. It's pathetic.
0: But anyway. But
1: cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But cute nonetheless.
0: But, yeah, I mean, I'm actually a pretty good fan of Jean-Jacques Naud, uh, despite everything. All right. Uh,
1: In spite of himself.
0: And, yeah, I mean, uh, Phil and I actually saw this trailer together, and we both kind of looked at each other and said, oh, it's the bear part, too. And it turns out, yeah, same guy who made the All bear. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it looks it looks cute. All right. I'll yeah. check it out, you know.
1: All right. Sounds good. Uh, that's two brothers. That's PG. Starts tomorrow. Uh, hear ye, hear ye, Nicholas Sparks fans, another one of his books has been made into a movie. If you loved Message in a Bottle, and, uh, what was the other one? It stars Mandy Moore. A Walk to Remember. A Walk to Remember, (laughs) yes. We were having a hard time remembering it beforehand. The Notebook is coming out. Um, the wonderful stylings of Nicholas Sparks have brought us another excellent movie for soccer moms and their daughters. Um... Starring Ryan Gosling, who the Reverend loves. That's true. Uh, Rachel McAdams, you may reckon, remember her from Mean Girls. She was the head mean girl in Mean Girls. Um, also, uh, Gina Rowlands, uh, James Garner, James Marson also show up. The story of uh, a poor boy and a rich girl who fall in love just before World War II. Uh, the war separates them, and then they find each other years later. It's a heartwarming <laughs> story. I'm going to cry right now just thinking about it. No, I'm not, because I hate Nicholas Sparks and his schmaltzy films. They're, you know, overblown, and you know, they're. It's just not my really type of book, and definitely not my type of movie. Alex, would you like to see The Notebook? Not really, Reverend.
3: Uh, no.
1: Okay, I, I was wondering <laughs> for you to say yes just to see Ryan Gosling. That's.
3: But... I, th- I think Ryan. I am a fan of Ryan Gosling. I'm. I'm disappointed. He's decided to skip. The early good career of actors, and he's just going straight to the later sad career. Yeah. At
0: <laughs> <laughs> an early point. So. Yeah.
3: See, ev-
1: see, see everybody. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. <laughs> Andy, the notebook.
0: I'm, I'm specifically not a fan of Ryan Gosling, so I think I'll be giving this <laughs> a I will say, if you enjoyed A Walk to Remember, if
1: you enjoyed A Message in the Bottle, this movie is going to be right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, the, all the reviews say so. All the information I've got is right there. So if you enjoyed those two movies, don't feel bad. Don't be disheartened. You're going to enjoy this film. Or you may at least have a good chance of and enjoying this film.
0: Isn't it directed by uh, John Cassavetes' son? Yes, Nick Cassavetes. And he's not without talent. I mean, he's not particularly very good. He, he but directed. Not...
1: Uh, he directed John Q. and She's So Lovely. I John Cassavetes. Nick Cassavetes is one of my favorites because John Cassavetes kind of created the American independent film, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much in, in the fifties and sixties. Uh, I mean, great actor, but he's the man. He's the man. You know, I mean, he's just. He's just up there. and for the most part, most people don't know who he is. John Cassavetes. And he has a son, Nick Cassavetes, who makes <laughs> movies like She's So Lovely and John Q. And who is like a bit part actor in like any movie that you'll see. It's just kind of funny. Generations, you know, <laughs> previous generations great. The, the children are, you know, just kind of washed up husbands. But... The Give him notebook. some time. Yeah. yeah. The note- he's like in his 40s. I don't think he's going to blossom in his 60s. Okay. But the notebook. Anyway, the notebook, if you enjoyed the, the previous two Nicholas Sparks books that were turned into movies, you will probably enjoy this. So not to get down on people who actually enjoy this. Okay. Uh, for a movie that I dare you to call in right now. 432 389 3. I dare you to call in and tell me white chicks is going to be good. I'm just going to say it. I'm not the biggest fan of Sean and Marlon Wayans, but I have no ill will against them. I hope they have a good career. I loved *In Living Color*, and which starred was created by Keenan Ivory Wayans, who directed *White Chicks* and who directed *Scary Movie* one and two. Uh, also, uh, you, I'm gonna get you sucker, which is funny, and uh, *Low Down Dirty Shame*, which is not funny. Uh, <laughs> so I have no ill will against them, but they've created a movie called *White Chicks*, which looks horrible. And I dare you to give me a call right now at four three two three eighty nine three give me a call let me know that white chicks is gonna be good tell me how white chicks is gonna be good because the answer i'm gonna give you is it's not gonna be good i'm i'm psychic this week folks. you better have some reasons though <laughs> okay you want, you want one well right, first of all i don't like their humor i think it's i think it's pathetic i just from the scary movies not very funny Two, the movie's an entire spoof of the the hilton sisters of of Crazy rich white girls who are spoiled and pampered and famous for no reason other than they're famous. That was that was spoofed better months ago with the Simple Life, which starred <laughs> spoiled, pampered, rich girls <laughs> in the farm. This is a topic that was that was hot a year ago, probably when they were making this movie. But now it's just tired and overdone.
2: I agree with you, Brad. I was talking to the listeners. Oh, okay, I <laughs> oh. said you better have some reasons if oh, you're. Uh, i I'm giving you reasons why you thinking gonna this movie's going to be good. And
1: just the whole idea of, you know, just it's, it's, it's two African-American FBI agents, Marlon and Sean Wayans, who do at least play brothers in the movie. I was, I was wondering how they were going to explain the, two, the similarity between the two gentlemen in the film. They made them brothers, which helps out. Yeah. Uh, but how they're going to dress up, since they're trying to protect two, you know, Hilton sister-like characters, they put on masks that look like them. First of all, they look like burn victims. And no offense to people who are actually burn victims. I'm very sorry to hear that. But they look scary, and the makeup looks horrible and creepy and gross. I don't know how anyone could sit through that for an hour and a half. And two, a film, I'm just going to say it, a film about, you know, two African Americans playing white people would never fly the other way around. Except for maybe what, as the Reverend mentioned beforehand. The Soul Luffy, Man Soul Man, the 80s. which is not a good movie and <laughs> is offensive. Yes. Soul Man is an offensive movie. And the only reason it can't exist, you want to know why, Reverend? Uh, Yes. It's the 1980s. Anything flew in the 80s, no one cared. You could say the worst thing, write the worst. I mean, this was a period in which alcoholism was was comical, okay? (laughs) The 80s had teen movies talking about underage drinking and teen pregnancy. The 80s did not care. The 80s did not shuck and or jive, okay? (laughs) That's why Soul Man, this is just Soul Man for today, mix it up with the parents of Hilton sisters. I don't think it flies. I don't think it's going to be funny.
2: I think it's going to be the worst movie of the year.
1: But then again, there was Van Helsing.
2: There was, but I, I this looks worse than Van
0: Helsing. We're, worse than Van Helsing, Alex says. And, you know, that would be the one reason I could think of to actually take the time out to see this movie is because I need a movie that's worse than Envy. Because I wanted to like Envy to a degree. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, man. <laughs> Talking mm. about a bad Ben Stiller movie, Envy was horrible. But I will, I will say, um, yeah, the makeup in the film just looks... Scary. I mean, if I were to actually watch it, I would, I would. I would be just a deer in headlights, looking at how awful and repulsive and mannequin-like and unsettling yeah. they look. Yeah. I'm freaked out every time I see the commercial.
1: <laughs> I can't handle it.
0: I don't think I could sit
3: through the movie. Reverend, yes. White chicks.
1: Uh. <laughs> re- hey, hey, remember <laughs> you're poor.
3: Yeah, that's true. well. <laughs> am I going to go out and see it? Probably not. Although I don't. I. I. I will admit I don't really understand the. The absolute, like, hatred of this. I don't understand that. Because okay. I don't think it looks any worse than every other comedy made. Like Dodgeball or Soul Plane or... Okay. Or, I, yeah, well, I didn't Soulplain. have
1: hatred of Soul Plane.
3: Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just look Whatever. I don't know. It could be... I, I actually thought Scary I've, Movie was kind of funny. But then
1: again, I have an undying hatred of Shrek 2 and Shrek yeah, 1. that's true. And I haven't even seen Shrek 2. Right. So, just... just Give me my instances of, of neurosis. <laughs> come on, man. All right? Yeah. All right, so White Chicks, we might pass on. Probably not once. Uh, but the big movie of the week, and I'll say it's a big movie, though it is a small movie, is Fahrenheit 9-11, Michigan Connection, director Michael Moore. He did Roger and me, the big one, uh, Academy Award winner, Bowling for Columbine. He has come out with a new movie called Fahrenheit 9-11. If you haven't heard about it, you've been living in a hole. Maybe a spider hole, like that one that I was saying was in. <laughs> not very funny. I thought that was funny, but never mind. I'm to have to rewrite my material before I go on my stand-up tour. Okay. <laughs> Michael Moore is out with a new one, which now has – it's going to be shown in 858 theaters. They were trying to go for 1,000, but that right there is the largest uh, amount of theaters that any documentary has ever opened in hmm. in the history. Wow. So they've done a, a large job of getting it out there. Michael Moore does not like President Bush. He doesn't like the administration. Uh, and basically has made a movie about how the administration is horrible and deplorable and just needs to be out of office. And he's got it just in time for the election. Roll around. We've been hearing a lot of buzz about this. It's, it was the rave. It won um, the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world. Took home the, the grand prize. And, but it's probably, and this would be my guess, more liberal leftist propaganda. Mm-hmm. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy Michael Moore's films but not as documentaries. I enjoy them as propaganda, mm-hmm. and that's what they are. They're, his style of documentary, we were talking about Supersize Me, so I'll let Andy and Alex talk about this, and definitely uh, the Reverend. I like documentaries, but he doesn't make documentaries. He's not fair and unbiased. He doesn't let open both sides have at least somewhat of a say. He completely comes from his own agenda out of left field, because he is a, a diehard liberal. And I'm a diehard liberal, but still I can at least see through this and not... Yeah, you know, be just be completely swayed by it. He's got an agenda. He wants by the time you leave this film to hate, you know, what the job that the president's doing and what his administration is doing. And, you know, I guess it's as you mentioned earlier, you yeah, Alex, you like the idea that a, a documentary film at least can try to say something about society and maybe try to change it. That's totally what Michael Moore's trying to do here. So, it's, yeah. it should be interesting. How do you feel about it? How do you want to check this out?
2: Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think it's um, I think it's
1: pretty safe to say for everybody, correct? Yeah. There's no one here that's like, yeah. ah, I want to pass.
2: <laughs> no, um, oh, I'm definitely going to see it. Uh, I, I have, I guess, similar um, thoughts about Michael Moore as you. Um, I really, you know, I, I agree with everything he's selling, you know. I mean, he, as far as the message of this movie, he's preaching the choir to me, you yeah. know. Um, I think I agree that the way he goes about it is questionable. I, I have less of a problem with his total lack of... You know, objectivity, and more with his. I have more of a problem with him in the way that he sort of makes a lot of his films about him as much as they are about his subjects.
1: Oh, they're always about him.
2: Yeah, it's always about him and I mean, his subject. Yeah, which I find somewhat obnoxious um, because Self-indulgent. yes, very much so. Um, I think he. For, for someone who who seems to care so much about the truth and about exposing people to these uh, you know these problems in society, he cares a lot about himself too. I think he's a huge egomaniac, um, and I think Bowling for Columbine is entertaining but flawed. And I'll check it out. All right, yeah. Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I've
3: I've I basically. I I'm kind of considered a hater of Bowling for Columbine and I, I am. You know, I, I I'm not really a big fan of that. I think a lot of it is what you said, it's 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 propaganda and propaganda isn't necessarily bad, but I hate it. You know, almost without fail I hate propaganda regardless of what you're trying to sell. I mean, so from that perspective, I'm not going to be a fan. Although looking at it just as a movie, I think my biggest problem with Bowling for Columbine in particular is that I don't understand what the point of that movie is. Like it keeps his, – his focus keeps jumping back and forth and I ask tons of people what is Bowling for Columbine about and I get a different answer from everyone. And I think if you're going to make propaganda, at least make the point very clear. Yeah. I think that's the thing. And I, from what I've heard about this movie, it's the same sort of problem. Like it starts off with Florida election, then goes to 9-11 – then goes to, like, living in a culture of fear and then, like, something else. And it's, like, all over the place. So that's probably going to bother me again. Obviously, I'm going to check it out. I used to be a big fan of Michael Moore, actually, when he was funny. And, like, I think that I love the first hour of Bowling for Columbine, which is funny. And then, like, the last half hour, which is just just goofy. I I, I thought it was funny, but not for the reasons intended. I just like thought it was he, silly he, funny. Did
1: you Did you like when he ambushes uh, Charlton Heston, who, who's in early stages of Alzheimer's? Right. And the goofy
3: <laughs> shot of him, like, following him with the photograph. Yeah. No, not so much. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I'll obviously have problems with it. And it, it'll probably be like, if you like, from what I've heard, if you like Bowling for Columbine, you'll probably love this. If Bowling for Columbine bothered you, this is going to bother you even more. So,
1: All right. And Andy?
0: I... I like Michael Moore well enough. Uh, I I like him primarily because, uh, well, all politics aside, he makes his movies entertaining and somewhat funny. Before doing anything else, he's at least very—he uses sarcasm, but not cynicism. There and there is a difference. And Michael Moore uses sarcasm, which I think is, which I think is great. Uh, And I and I still say uh, Roger and Me. His Roger and Me is one of the best movies made in the last twenty years. I still stand by that, but yeah, I'll will certainly go and go and see it. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I definitely agree. With Roger Mee. It was incredibly refreshing when it first came out, but that's his template, and right. just gets it gets a little tiresome.
0: It, at times, it could, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very political myself. Uh, I, uh, not to get too personal, but yeah, I will. I will. I will certainly go and see it. All right. I am looking forward to it.
1: You'll listen to the Impact Movie Chat here on 89FM, The Impact. We're almost done. Just a little bit. You want to stick around. The basement is up next. It is the best in local music. When I want remind you that if you didn't get on to call us, we have a message board, and I won't ask the Reverend what the address is. So if you go to the Impact <laughs> website, it's the official Impact website, which is impact89fm.org. All one big smorgasbord of letters. Impact89fm.org. You'll find message boards. You'll find everything about the station, all the wonderful things. How do you make your own requests via email, information about the specialty shows, all the great stuff, and you'll find the best thing of all time, the Impact Movie Chat message board. <laughs> it's the bomb. You're going to want to check it out. You're probably logging on right now as I speak. Uh, and you can also listen to the impact from uh, the safety of your computer. So want to remind you about that. Um, and let's move to our final thing tonight, the video pick of the week. <laughs> and I'll leave it over to Andy for the video pick of the week.
0: All right. I think at the last minute we decided it would be kind of a communal pick, since everyone, yeah. d- everyone in the room does like this movie very much. it's not just like it's yours. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, taking it away, uh, not only is today uh, Peter Weller's birthday, it's also Nancy Allen's birthday, and they were both in a movie from 1987 called RoboCop, which I, I would refer to as a classic American movie. It's made by a Dutchman named Paul Verhoeven, who's, who has a reputation for making uh, ultra-violent films. And in this in this film, uh, Peter Weller is a Detroit policeman uh, in a undisclosed future that's overrun by corporations. Who is killed by uh, Kurtwood Smith and his and his gang of, of criminals, and but he is brought back to life through through this corporation who turns him into a, a cyborg, an unstoppable cyborg policeman. Half man, half machine, all cop is the tagline of the movie. And it's great fun. Uh, you almost never get to see a movie's hero avenge his own death. And it's also, if you want to read more into it, it's also about, uh, as, Phil, as Phil likes to say, science fiction isn't really about the future. It's about the present. And this is uh, very much about uh, a U.S. that's overrun by big business and, and our dependence on technology, et cetera, et cetera. All that, all that good stuff. But it's also a fun action movie and worth seeing again and
1: again. Excellent. Excellent film. Definitely have to say that. Uh, Kerwood Smith is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You may may recognize him as Red, the the very angry father on the 70s show, but he's excellent. Uh, And yes, it's from a decade in which greed was good. And it's totally- And anything went in the movies also. And definitely, yeah, yeah, the 80s, as we said, (laughs) didn't shuck and or jive. And if you were looking for a director who didn't mess around- Paul Verhoeven, is your man. It's the top of your list That's, almost. If you're like, well, I, I, I want a, di- a director who isn't going to mess around, who's going to show me a lot of blood, who's going to give me a lot of skin and sex and just grittiness. Who could that be? Paul Verhoeven, done. There's your <laughs> list. You can write his name down ten times. There you go. All right, I think we're done. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be on uh, every Thursday. We keep rocking out every Thursday at 7 o'clock. And so for the doubter, the reverend, the Keister. I'm the Brad Brooks. Okay. <laughs> uh, stick around. The basement's up next. Have a good night.
0: Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.